My name is Lyle. I'm one of the pastors here and just want to say, just like was said earlier by Eddie, uh, first time here, just want to say welcome and we're glad you're here. Encourage you to fill out a connect card, just kind of a way for you to, uh, to make your presence known. If you're a mom here, just want to wish you a happy Mother's Day and thank you for joining us and, and being a part of this gathering. And so we're, um, we're trying to honor you in, in little ways. Hopefully as you came in, uh, you got a little bit of tea uh, that was for you, kind of like mother's tea. Uh, I mean, if, you, if you're not a mom and you got tea, it's okay. So if you're a dad and you got tea or just somebody rolled in here and got some, that's fine. Uh, but that was specifically for moms just to love them well. We'll have some flowers for you as you leave here. I encourage you to take one of those. Uh, you can take a picture if you ain't got a chance to do that kind of on the couch there uh, with your family. And so, um, so yeah, we just want to say uh, thank you. Thank you for your sacrifice, um, the way you've selflessly loved your kids and children and um, and maybe you're in that season right now where you just feel like you're tired all the time. Um, or maybe you're in a season where you feel like you're just a massive failure. And so wherever you come this morning, uh, there's a place for you here. And uh, God is leaning in. He sees you. He takes notice of you. And he's really proud of you. And so we're glad you're here. And, and another thing we'll do today at the... Kind of, during communion time, we do this periodically, um, but this one I just want to focus on moms. Uh, we would love to pray for you, uh, whatever season you're in, whatever struggle you're going through, or even if it's just a, a celebration, uh, we would love to, to pray with you and pray for you. So during communion, uh, we'll have some leaders that are in the back that would um, just love to pray with you, if you would give us that honor to do that. And I'll remind us toward the end of the sermon. Um, so. So yeah, I'm going to ask our ushers to come forward and collect our giving. And just a reminder, man, this is your first time, man. We, we don't expect you to give. We pray that this service and your time with us is a real blessing and a gift to you. And so if you're a member, regular attender, may you continue to give and give generously. And as they do that, I encourage you to grab a Bible and go to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, if you don't have a Bible, it's probably a black one in front of you there in the seat rack below. Um, passages in your bulletin as well as on the screen. And as you do that, I just want to Make you aware of a couple things. Uh, if you're interested in kind of uh, taking first step uh, toward membership here, we have a membership class coming up this weekend, Saturday morning and Sunday morning. And so I think you've got a little card in your bulletin. You can fill that out. Uh, you have to fill it out really quickly and drop it off in the giving baskets. But if you're fast, you might be able to do it. Uh, if not, you can give it to me at the end, or there's a little giving box in our atrium that you can drop that and we'll uh, get you set up for this class that's coming up this weekend. Uh, secondly, we've got a couple uh, really good events that happen during the summer. We have Vacation Bible School, which is a week-long event for our kids uh, here, and we do that in the morning. It's toward the end of June. Uh, we have kind of some donations that we need from you, and so we've put together kind of what we call the donation wall. So if you kind of walk down this hall to my left and your right, uh, you'll see these big, huge um, metal kind of framed things, and they'll have like, uh, specific things to donate. So you can take one off the, off the little metal and, and go pick it up, and you can drop it off here at the office sometime this week or bring it with you on a Sunday. Uh, also, we have camp for our, our students, grades 6 to 12. Uh, that happens toward the 1st of June, and there are many students that are unable to go due to financial difficulties, and so we never want the cost of a, a camp to be a hindrance for a student to come and be a part of it. And so if you can sponsor a student or sponsor someone uh, to allow them to go to camp, there is some, um, there's a place where you can grab a little uh, tag or a little, little card and that you can donate uh, to help a student go, kind of provide sort of a scholarship so they can go and be a part of that week, all right? And so 
Uh, that's the donation wall. I guess that's what we're calling it. I don't know. It's in your bulletin. It says donation wall, so that's what we're calling it. I encourage you to, as you leave here, uh, to go by there and, and, and pick up what you can to help us out. All right? Good deal. So why don't you stand with me in honor of reading God's Word. Matthew chapter 7, and we're going to read verses 7 through 11. So hear the word of the Lord. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Who among you, if his son asks for for bread, will give him a stone, or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. So, Father, we... Um, We come to you this morning again, and we ask, Lord, we ask that you would help us, God, as we unpack your word. We ask that you would open the eyes of our hearts so that we can see not just with our kind of mental factors, but also see with our emotional factors in our heart, Lord, the whole of our being, God, help us to see what you're saying in your word. And Lord, we need your help. Uh, to take you at your word here. This is some crazy, profound things you're saying. And I pray you would help us in the midst of our unbelief. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So I think there's uh, one question that I want to ask today that, that's going to kind of be the theme of what we talk about uh, throughout our time together this morning. And I, and I think this is the question that Jesus is wanting to ask us also And that is this, what keeps you from asking? What keeps you from asking? Or uh, another way of saying this, um, and I don't mean this question to to make you feel bad at all, all right? Just more of like we're exploring together, we're we're curious, okay? Um, Do you pray a lot? I mean, for some of us in here, we'd say, yeah, man, I pray all the time, man. I'm like constantly praying. I'm right there uh, praying a whole lot. Uh, But for a lot of us in here, you would think, man, a lot is kind of next level. I pray some. I'm I'm more in the some camp, right? Not in the a lot camp. Uh, I want to get there, but that feels like varsity me so so I'm not going to say I'm, I pray a lot I'm going to kind of stay I pray some why why do you just pray some what keeps you from asking you see I, I think the massive assumption that Jesus is making here is that there comes times in our life maybe even seasons in our life When we stop asking, we're done. We've tried prayer. It doesn't work. I'm done. You see, at the the core of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ is that you now have God as your Father, 
and the kind of central activity of a Christian now is prayer. Now, where do I get that? Well, what's at the center of the Sermon on the Mount? Which the Sermon on the Mount is all about what it means to be a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ. What does it look like to live life under God's reign and rule? What does it look like to live the life that's the good life, the flourishing life? That's all in the Sermon on the Mount, right? No, that was a whole lot there, right? I could unpack sermons in that, but hopefully you caught what I'm trying to say. What's at the center of that sermon? Like framework. What's at the center of chapters 5 through 7? What's at the center of it? Lord's Prayer. And that's not accidental. That's not coincidental. That's on purpose. Matthew is trying to help us see that the central activity of a follower of Jesus Christ is that you pray. The gift that we have as a follower of Jesus, as one who is united in Christ and God is now my Father, is that I pray. And the assumption that Jesus is making in these four verses is that there's going to be seasons in your life when you stop. Why? That's not to bring any condemnation. Jesus is inviting us to be curious. Why? What's keeping you from asking? You see, I... In these four verses, I think Jesus is kind of going after one big idea, and that big idea is he's wanting you to ask. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's not hard to understand this passage. He is, not in some weird way, he's begging you to come and ask. He's pleading with you. He is trying to motivate you. He's trying to awaken your heart to what could be, and he is saying, come. Come and ask me. He is eager. And so it's, it's one big idea, but there's two movements that he does in this passage of Scripture. The first one's kind of in verses 7 through 8, and then, then the second movement is in there in verses 9 through 11. And they're the same idea. I'm trying to, I'm trying to kind of like uh, awaken sort of a, a deadness in you. I'm trying to give you some hope. I'm, I'm trying to encourage you that if you're someone who has stopped I want you to, to keep coming. I want you to ask. I mean, look what he says here. It's kind of the first movement. Look at verse, verse 7. And, and just as best you can, try to remove all the baggage that we bring to this passage and just hear it for what it's saying. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. I mean, the first question that I ask this passage of Scripture is, ask for what? Seek what? Knock for what? Jesus doesn't tell us. Now, I know, hey, you know, you can, you can step back, Lyle, and look at the context. And, you know, the Lord's Prayer kind of gives us the, the petitions, sort of things we should be asking for. The Sermon on the Mount as a whole kind of tells us and helps us see what's on the very heart of God, which should be on our hearts. And so if it's on our hearts, we're also asking for this. And I want to say a big, huge yes to that. But I want to say, let's just kind of put that to a side just for a moment here. Because when we start doing that, we're missing the point that Jesus is trying to make. These are open-ended. They are remarkably open-ended. Why? Because he wants you to come and ask. Whatever. Don't, don't put on these categories of this is what I should be. No. Jesus is going, hear the open-endedness of this promise. 
It's there on purpose to get you to come and ask. And just in case, which we all are a little slow, amen, he repeats it again. Look what he does in verses, verse 8 here. For everyone who asks receives the one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks the door will be opened the promise of a response you seek you ask you receive you seek you find you knock the door will be open the promise of a response is there to encourage you and me to go ask to seek to go knock I mean, these are, these are all written in what we call the present tense language. And what present tense only, only means is that it's a continuous action. So Jesus doesn't want you to stop. Keep asking. Keep knocking. Keep seeking. It's a, it's a continual action that he's laying before us here. Now, sometimes we go like, why? Then why is, why is Jesus writing this or saying this in this type of like, you know, present tense language where he's saying keep coming keep coming keep coming is he doing that because God's reluctant that he's a you know a reluctant giver and before he will give anything or answer your prayers he wants to make sure you're serious I want to make sure you really want this we do this with our kids amen they come to us with a request it's like ah we kind of say, may, we say maybe, right? That's usually what I say. You know, it's like, it's not yes or no. We'll see. That's kind of my, like, maybe. We'll see. And what are we doing? We'll see if they ask again, because if they ask again, they must be really serious about it. So maybe we need to kind of think about finding a way to get this, right? Are you, am I the only parent that deals with this, right? So maybe I need to take Parenting 101. I don't know. But, but sometimes that's what we think here. Is he, is he doing it in the present tense language because God's a reluctant giver and he wants to make sure you're really serious? Is he doing it in such a way to where the reason why he's telling us to keep coming is because God you know, has this sort of tally in his mind that we don't know, but if you come 15 times on the 15th time, he'll finally give that to you, but we don't know it's 15 times, right? One, two, three I know what comes after three, but 14 just for the sake of not going all the way through that, right? And you didn't come 50. Okay, I'm not giving it to you. If you would have came to 15, I would have given it to you, right? You gave up at 14, but you don't know that, right? Does God want you to keep coming because it's kind of a trick to where he wants you to finally see how silly and selfish and self-centered this request is that if you keep coming and asking it it'll kind of dawn on you and say all right this is kind of dumb i'm not gonna keep saying that no that's not why jesus puts it in that language the reason why jesus puts it in the language saying the same thing in three different ways is because he wants you to remember it and he's wanting you to keep coming that's why god is saying Test my generosity. Test the extent of my generosity. Don't stop. Keep asking. I want you to keep seeking. I want you to keep knocking. I want you to keep asking. That's why it's in the present tense language. Not because our Father is a reluctant giver. Not because our father's got some tally, right, in his head that you don't know. No, because he wants you to keep asking. 
The irony of all this, I think, is that all of us carry a bundle of desires and wants and hopes and dreams and wishes that never become askings. And Jesus is going, why? Why are you holding those close? Why? Why are you not bringing those longings, those dreams, those wants? I said it. I know some of you are going, ah! Those desires. Why? Why are you keeping it here? That's not me asking that question. Jesus is asking that question to you. Why? Oh, Lolly just seems so selfish and self-centered and, you know, God will probably get annoyed if I keep bringing this to him. Yeah, like, yes, we can make an argument here that, that we want to pray and bring things before the Lord that really do matter. We want to pray the very heart of God and what's on his heart. Yes, yes, I, I, I see that. I see this in the Sermon on the Mount. I get that, and I see it in the Lord's Prayer. But here's what I believe Jesus is saying here. He's okay with you possibly abusing prayer. He is. He's not qualifying here. He's saying, come. Ask. Seek. Knock. You ask, you'll receive. You seek, you'll find. You knock, the door will be open to you. He's okay with you probably using your prayer in selfish ways. He's not worried about that. He is begging you come ask me you see maybe maybe it's not selfish maybe it's not maybe maybe what jesus is trying to help us do is kind of have a paradigm shift in our mind and that that's what children do with their parents that's that's the relationship between a kid and his mom or a kid and his dad. They just go and ask over and over and over and over. They are persistent little boogers. Amen? Yeah, you got a three-year-old or two-year-old or four-year-old that's kind of getting their language going. How many times they say mom in a day? Oh, my goodness, moms, I love you to death. Man, it's so exhausting, right? Mom, 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 mom. Yeah, I'm annoying. They are too, right? But that's what a kid does. A kid is not going, is this a need or is this a want? I don't really want to bother my mom or dad with wants. I want to make sure I'm giving them needs. They're not doing that. A donut in the morning at lunch, at bedtime, whenever in the day is a need, right, to them, right? It's like, I need this. And they come to you without any kind of embarrassment or shame and ask, why? Because they're a kid. And that's what kids do. And look what Jesus does. Remember, I told you, it's, 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 he's going after one idea. 
He's got two movements here. So just in case, we're going, ah, I hear you, Jesus. You're telling me to come and ask, and I'll get, seek, and I'll find. Okay, that's great. But I, I got all kinds of, like, qualifications with that. I got all kinds of reasons why I don't like that. I have all kinds of reasons why I can't really take that face value. Jesus is going, okay, I hear you. But let me give you another illustration to help you understand how serious I am. Look what he says in verse 9. Who among you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will give him a snake? Like, this is kind of crowd participation here. I mean, he's, he's on a mountain here. There's a bunch of people around him. Like, this is, this is like, yeah, let's talk about this, right? What's your answer to this? Any healthy parent, right, would say, that's crazy. I, I would never do that to my kid. If they want a piece of bread, I'm not going to go give them a rock. Here, chew on this, son. Hopefully you won't crack a tooth, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, no one would do that in their right mind. If they want a, a fish or whatever, they're not going to go and give them a snake. Hey, have fun playing with this bad boy. Hopefully it won't bite you. You know, if it does, so be it. Oh, well, moving on. No, that's like Jesus is, it's an obvious answer here. It's almost like a rhetorical question. So look at verse 11. If you then who are evil. And Jesus is not saying that all of humanity is evil to the, the, the fullest extent in their own lives. He's just making a statement that is true of all of us, that sin still remains, and we're jacked up people is what I would call it, right? So if I'm Jesus in this moment, I would say, if you then who are all jacked up, amen, right? Because we all are a big stinking mess. Know how to give good gifts to your children. You know how to do that. How much more? Can we just sit with those three words? And maybe those are the three words you need to sit with throughout this entire week. How much more? How much more? How much more? Will your Father in heaven give good things to those who seek him? You see, guys, look. This, the gospel which is, in essence, the good news. It's what gospel means, good news of what God has done in and through Jesus Christ, not to just get you to heaven. That's a real, there's truth to that. I'm not saying that's not true, right? That's a really simplistic, um, reductionistic understanding of the gospel. Maybe that's what got you in, right? When you were like eight or nine, like, I don't want to go to hell, right? So it's like, I'm in, but hopefully as a 20-year-old or 18-year-old or a 30-year-old, your, your understanding of the gospel is expanding because here's the primary reason or the primary thing that the gospel does for us is that it provides the way through Jesus Christ that I now can have a relationship and relate to God as my heavenly Father. He is not some distant cosmic deity who is constantly annoyed with you. Through Jesus Christ, He is your Father. He is not, I couldn't find any paper at my, we threw all the paper away at my house. You know, I mean, Career Journal, so all I found was the Trader Joe's flyer. You know what I'm saying? It's like, they came out with a new one, in case you didn't know that. So it's always kind of fun to read these bad boys. Like, yeah, I might get to get that. And I'll go over there and look for it. So maybe I'm the only, I got a couple people shaking their head. But, but you ever been here as a kid? Dad reading the paper? What do you want? What do you need? Can't you see I'm busy? 
You ever been there? You ever done that to your kids? That's not God. It's not. You're in Christ. You're a son or daughter. And God's posture toward you is leaning forward. He's leaning in. And he's eager. You hear that? He is eager to give. He longs to say yes. He is leaning in to you as a son or daughter and say, man, you are my kid. What are you asking for? What do you need? What do you want? What's your desires? I am eager to give. That's the relationship that we have with our Heavenly Father because that's how you do it as a dad and a mom with your own kids. I mean, a healthy mom and dad have a heart to give. Even though it's not healthy to eat donuts every time they ask for it, there's a part of you, and I'm sorry I'm talking about donuts a lot. I did in the first service. I just can't get beyond it. But there's a part of you, right, in you. If you're a healthy parent, you want to say yes every time, right? Because you want to give. You're leaning in. There's a longing. There's an eagerness that God wants to give your wants and your needs. Now, some of you are like objecting. Okay, well, but, but hang on, hang on. <laughs> Isn't there a difference between wants and needs? And, and don't we really need to kind of bring what our, what our needs are and kind of leave our wants out of here? Shouldn't we, you know, kind of decipher that to some extent? And I want to say that there's a part true to that. Yes, as you grow in this relationship with your Heavenly Father, His wants will become your wants, and what you'll begin to express to Him is what's on His heart. Like, you'll get there, like, and we'll mess up and go all, and that's just part of the journey. I think what I'm trying to say today is this, is that Jesus is trying to help us see, don't start deciphering that. That's not where we begin. We don't start with trying to determine what's a want and what's a need, and then only bring the needs to Him. No, Jesus is going, bring them all. That's what a kid does. And you're his child. Bring them all. Does that mean, Lyle, then God will say yes to everything that I say, right? If I ask, I'm going to get it. If I seek it, I'm going to find it. If I knock, I'm going to, no matter what it is, is he always going to say yes? Well, the obvious answer to that is no. Why? Because he's a good heavenly father just like you're a good parent. If my kids came to me today and said, Hey, Dad, can you take me to Thornton's go buy a pack of cigarettes? <laughs> I'm not going to say yes to that, right? Oh, I don't want to crush your spirits if I say no. I probably should say yes. And that's just stupid, right? That's moronic, all right? It's like, no, I'm saying Son, no, we're not going to get cigarettes. That's horrible for you. No, just, you're, you're an idiot. We're not doing that, right? Uh, and I mean that in a very kind term of endearment, all right? Please don't send me an email, all right? And so it is with God our Father. It says in there in verse 11 that he gives good things, not everything. Good things, not everything. But here's my point, and here's what Jesus is trying to make. But don't allow that to kind of like hinder you from coming and just asking. 
Let him decide what's good for you. You don't decide that because you really don't know. Bring it to him. So what keeps you from asking? What keeps you from seeking? What's holding you back to where there's some things you bring and there's others you kind of hold close? Why? I think that's part of the work that God's wanting us to do over the course of the day, maybe this week, because I don't think I'm the only one that in seasons I, I find myself just struggling to talk to God. That I find myself struggling to just kind of like, I'm not sure what this does. And we're tempted to stop. So what is it for you? What's keeping you? I'll give you two. And these are where we'll land the plane. And maybe, you know, um, these may not be your two. And there's probably more. But these are the two that I wrestle with. These are the two that came to my mind this week as I thought about this passage and what keeps me from asking. What stops me? The first one is this. Why ask when God already knows what I need? Isn't that what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6 there right before we got to the Lord's Prayer? I mean, what did he say there? Look at verse 7. When you pray, don't babble like the Gentiles since they imagine they, they'll be heard by, for their many, many words. Instead, look what he says here. Don't be like them. Why? Because your Father knows the things you need before you ask Him. Now when our Western mindset, because we're all product of our culture, when we hear verse 8, don't be like them, because your Father knows that the things you need before you even ask Him. What's the first thing? Well, one of the first things, maybe it's not the first thing. One of the first things that comes to your mind when you hear that last verse then why ask? If God already knows what I need and it's already going to happen, He's got it all planned out, then why ask? What's the point, right? Well, it's interesting. Jesus draws the very opposite conclusion, (laughs) right? He says that's the reason why you go and ask. God knows what you need, therefore ask Him. Because, and don't take this too far, because if you take it too far, it cultivates way too much anxiety in your life, and you don't need that, amen? But if the, if, the, if the positive is true, so is the negative. So if it's true that I ask, receive, seek, find, knock, and the door will be open to me, the negative is true. If I don't ask, I will not receive. If I don't seek, I will not find. If I do not knock, I will, the door will not be open to me. And in case you think I'm off my rocker, if you go to James, right? James is sort of a commentary of the Sermon on the Mount. We said that last week. But look what he says in chapter 4, verses 2 through 3. You desire and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. 
you fight and wage war. Isn't this a great church? Amen, when you want to be a part of this church, right? This is James writing to a church. He thought we were bad. Just read the New Testament, amen? But look what he says here at the end of verse 2. You do not have because why? You don't ask. And then he later on goes in verse 3 and says, well, the reason why you don't have also is because you're asking for wrong motives, right? So he kind of plays that out more. But I do think there's a point that he's trying to make. You don't have because you do not ask. So Jesus is going, the Father knows exactly what you need. That doesn't mean you shouldn't ask. It means you should. <laughs> he knows what you need. Go ask him. Now here's the problem with all this. Man, this is the, this is the sort of the, like the black hole that we get in in prayer and how God uses this in, in, the, in our lives and in the world and and what I've seen in this landscape here, and I'm probably, uh, you know, nuancing this really, really short. You know what I'm saying? So these are sermons in and of themselves, and so please give me a little grace. But I think there's two extremes that we, where we try to figure this whole thing out of how God uses prayer. So one extreme is kind of like a Shakespeare's play where, where there's actors and actresses in this play who feel like they have free decisions and they're making decisions and all these decisions kind of matter. But in reality, what's happening is, is they're just acting out a story that's already been written. It's already happening. It doesn't really matter. Like, it's a story that's already been written and all they're doing is kind of acting out that story. Sometimes... That's the extreme of what we think when it comes to God and how he's working in this world, that he's just laid out all the plans, and it doesn't really matter what we do, what we say, whether we pray or not, what decisions we make. It's all going to happen according to God's plan. Nothing can change that. We're just all little actors in God's play that he's already written, blah, blah, blah. We're, you know, what's the point of all the decisions and prayers, right? That's kind of like this extreme understanding of this idea of how God works. The other end of this bear with me, don't want you to lose me, is like a chess player. And that's kind of more along the lines of like what we call open theism, all right? Where, where God doesn't know the future, and depending on how humans kind of play the chess pieces, will determine how God does certain things. So the, the future's being sort of, you know, played out in real time, you know, depending on upon humanity and the decisions they make and the prayers they make peace here then i'll make that counter move here peace here that kind of stuff those are the two extremes the problem with these extremes is the bible because they're nowhere in the bible yes the bible teaches us that god is sovereign that he is in control that he knows the future because it's his future, that God is the one that's directing the course of history to its appointed end that he has decided on. And some of you are going, well, that sounds a lot like the Shakespeare play. And it does, but here's my point. Here's my point. Your decisions matter. They're both there. Your obedience matters. Your choices matter. How does it all work out? I don't know. I, I'm not God. I don't know how it all works out. I don't know how it all weaves together. But they're in the Bible. Look, your prayers change things. They don't just change you. Yes, they do, right? Yes. But they also change things. They matter. And how all that works with God being in complete control and directing history to its point and end, I don't know. I can give you some 
answers, but the reality is there's a mystery to that that I don't know. But your prayers change things. And I'll just give you one example amongst many in the Bible. If you remember when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he grabbed three of his closest dudes, right? Said, hey, get them a little further in the garden. The other guys are chilling out. Don't know exactly what they're doing. But he gets them further in the garden. What does he tell them? Stay awake. Which, if I was in there, I'd be tapping out. It's like, dude, if it's after nine, I am goner, right? It's like, pick another disciple. I'm not staying awake, right? So, but he asked them to stay awake. Thanks for like four laughs. Stay awake, right? Um, and pray so that what? You won't fall into temptation. And what they do? They fell asleep. They did not pray. And they fell into temptation. If all is, if, if Jesus is only reading a script okay this is what i've got to say to you guys because this is a script you're supposed to pray but it really doesn't matter because you're going to fall asleep and you're not going to pray and you're going to give in to temptation that's how it's all going to play out but i know i've got to say this so i'm going to say that's not what's going on there jesus knows that if they would have prayed they may have not fallen into temptation if he doesn't know that then he wouldn't have told him to do it because prayer changes things. Well, what does that mean, Lyle? Does that mean that they all were going to be around the cross at that time? How does this all play? I don't know. That's God's doings, not my doings. But here's what Jesus is trying to help us see. Your prayers matter. Do not fall in those two extremes. So why do I pray? If God knows it all, he knows what I need. Because I need to ask him. He knows what I need. So I come to him and say, all right, here's what I think I need. Here's what I want. God, help me. I love what N.T. Wright says in his little commentator. Uh, commentary quotes an archbishop called William Temple. And he says this. I just love this. It's so good. When I pray, coincidences happen. When I stop praying, the coincidences stop happening. <laughs> I wonder how many of us may not have because we do not ask. Why don't you pray a lot? And please don't take that to extreme because sometimes we can say, oh my gosh, if I don't ask it, then God's not going to do it. I'm getting ready to travel. I've got to make sure I name all the stops that I'm going to because if I miss a stop, then I'll probably have an accident or our car will blow up and we'll all die. I've got to make sure. That just creates all kinds of crazy anxiety. Look, man, look, look. God always gives us more than what we ask. I love what the powerful old hymn says. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. God knows what you need, so ask. The second one, and this one's a lot shorter and then I'm done, and the reason why it's a lot shorter is it's, um, I think it's just hard. There's not easy answers to this one. But sometimes the reason why we stop is because you did ask. You asked for something that was good, 
and you didn't receive. You did seek, and you didn't find. You did knock, and the door was not open. Or, I think these all kind of play together. You did ask, and you received what felt like a stone. You received what felt like a snake. And if we're all kind of honest with ourselves and what we're experiencing, we would say it feels really cruel. So if this is what I got, then I'm going to stop. And that's a lot of your all's experiences in this room when it comes to prayer. And so I don't have easy answers here. I don't. Actually, I don't have any answers. Because I, I don't want to... Um, yeah, I, I want to be a church where we can celebrate the ways that God comes in and answers prayers in miraculous or even normal ways that we can celebrate that and do that as a community and a body. And then at the same time, um, hold, I guess is the good word, the places where it seems like he doesn't. And where it seems like maybe he even came in and gave me something that feels like a snake. Like, can both of those exist in this community without feeling shame and guilt? And I want to say, yeah, they can, and I want to cultivate that here. So here are a few, few maybe reminders that if that's you, that's how you feel, and you've stopped, I want to give you a few reminders that will hopefully encourage you to start asking again. One of them is this. You didn't do anything wrong. I'll say it again. You didn't do anything wrong. Usually when we don't get what we ask for, we get something that may feel like a stone. Sometimes we start thinking, man, what did I do wrong? What, what, what sin am I getting punished for? What did I do in my past that's kind of like coming back and, and God's going, ha, I got you. You didn't do anything wrong. And look, you didn't, or it's not because you didn't have enough faith. That is nowhere in the Bible. That the reason why you didn't get something or you got something you felt like was a snake is because you didn't have enough faith. That's nowhere in the Bible. That is heresy. And it's borderline spiritual abuse. And that will not be a part of this community. And you'll never hear me say that from the pulpit. Because that is not helpful at all. It's not the quality or the quantity of your faith that gets the heart of God. It's that you're in Christ. And you're his son and daughter. You already have his heart. You don't have to work it up to get there. You didn't do anything wrong. Second reminder, and this is where it's hard, man, but I would encourage you to resolve to be in places and listening to things that are cultivating this deep relational trust in God 
even when your circumstances doesn't feel like God is near. So another way of saying this, and I've heard someone say it, I don't know who it was, it wasn't me, but be in a place or fill yourself up to where you can grow in trusting the very heart of God when it's difficult to trace the hand of God. He is for you. Hear that. No matter what you're experiencing, and I'm not trying to to make this a cop-out, it is true. He is for you. He adores you. He loves you. And your Father is leaning in, eager to hear. So do whatever it takes to build a continual resolve to trust the heart of God, especially in those seasons when it's difficult to see the very hand of God. And lastly, I'll say this. Um, and I don't mean this like mean. I, I, I say this to myself often. He's God. And I'm not. Just as my boys don't fully understand why I say no to certain things. Like I can, I can reason and explain forever, right? And they're never going to get it. So just as my children don't fully understand when I say no or I'm quiet or I say wait, so it is with our relationship with our Heavenly Father. We don't know how God is using these prayers that we've given to him that seem like they aren't answered. We have no idea what he's doing. We have no idea how he's going to use that prayer, this desire, this dream, and bring it to fruition, the new heavens and the new earth. We've only got 70, 80 years here at most. But we've got an eternity to even see how some of these longings that we had will come to fruition there. We can't see that now. But he does. Why? Because he's God. And I'm not. I only see in part. And he sees in full. And there are times when I don't even know what's really good for me. But he does. I don't know if that's helpful. But I do pray that those are good reminders for us. If you're in a season where you feel like you're just done. Because you didn't receive. May this encourage you to come and ask. So this morning, if you're a mom here, man, we would, we would love to pray with you and pray for you. We have some leaders in the back. You can identify those by like a lanyard or, or a name tag. I'll be in the back. I won't have a name tag on, so hopefully you can identify me. But uh, we would just love to pray for you, mom. Whatever is going on in your life, we would count it as a joy to pray with you and for you. So during communion, you can step back there. And and allow us to do that. So let's pray together. So Lord, just in the quietness here, just for these few moments, we just stop and ask the question, what what is keeping me from asking? Father, we ask that you would help us to trust your heart, to take you at your word.
and ask and seek and knock. In Jesus' name, amen.